Are you a sports card collector? Are you looking to buy or sell your vintage cards? If so, contact Josh over at Midwest Vintage Cards. With over 25 years of experience in the field, Midwest Vintage Cards will pay you cash for your collection. Check out their eBay store by searching Midwest Vintage Cards or follow them on Instagram at Midwest Vintage Cards. Contact Josh at 847-602-8604 or email him at josh at midwestvintagecards.com to get your quote today. No hits through 26 outs. Strike one. Deep in thought. The well-trained mind of Lucas Giolito. He won strike two. One more bat to miss. Nobody's here to watch. But everyone at home. And their hearts in their throats. On 0-2. To right field. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Socks on Tap. This is Tony Marchese. I am joined tonight by NWI Steve and Steve. Crack them for Lucas Giolito tonight. We got to watch a hell of a ball game. Steve, how are you doing? Hey, O-Tone. I'm doing really damn well. The only thing that could possibly make this night any better was if I had the chance to be in the ballpark to witness my seventh live no-hitter in person. Seven. I've Seven. already, I've already got, I've got I've got five no-hitters and a perfect game under my belt. Oh, boy. So I've never attended one of these live in my lifetime, and I hope that I get the opportunity to. But I'm assuming that perfect game you're talking about was Mark Burley. You would be incorrect. Really? The the perfect game was actually the last White Sox no hitter. Oh boy, you were Phil there. Humber. You were Phil there. Humber. Yes, sir. Oh man, that feels like ages ago. Yeah, it it really does, and especially crazy when you fly all the way across the country and then you get to see that. I was going to say that was why. I was imagining or thinking that Burley would have been the one, but you were actually there out of town. Well, and and actually, you know, I got I got to take that was the last White Sox no hitter I've seen. I actually three years ago was in Miami when Edinson Volquez threw a no hitter against the Diamondbacks. So what is this about you and no hitters? I'm, I'm assuming you would have had tickets for tonight's game, regardless of where it was being played on the original schedule. And that's what you're getting at here. Um, let's see. Yeah, I mean, mo- most likely. I mean, I would, <laughs> I would have to go back and look at what the original schedule was was looking like. But you know, there, there's a good chance I probably would have found my way to the ballpark here. That's uh, that wouldn't surprise me, given your your track record here. But Steve, let's just take a moment and appreciate how special this season has been over the last say week week and a half we have gotten to watch probably the most exciting stretch of white Sox baseball in what the last decade yeah i mean you would have to go all the way back to you know that 2012 season when you know they were famously in first place for 119 games um that has to be the answer. I mean, I know obviously they started 23 and 10 and in 2016 hashtag never forget, but you know, you never really felt, I, at least I never really felt that great during the course of that season. I mean, I know during the, during the 2012 season, I mean, they had a stretch there um, where they were just burying teams at home and they were hitting a ton of dingers and you know, you really felt like they were going to win the division that year. Um, you know, even after, you know, they had the disappointing series against the Tigers in September, 
the third game of that gets gets rained out, and then they make it up in the famous uh, Alex Rios slide to break up a double play in you know the seventh or eighth inning that propelled them to a win. I thought for sure they were going to win the division. I mean, that was really the last time you felt good watching White Sox baseball with any level of consistency. I just want it noted for the record here for all the listeners: three minutes and thirty seconds in, and we had an Alex Rios mention on socks on tap here tonight that's pretty damn impressive i think in in white Sox baseball podcast standards steve so i i think you win the uh the award tonight for nostalgic white Sox uh mentions here uh maybe, but maybe, maybe so tony you know maybe that should be my new bit here is i i just you know randomly drop in a Sox player from yesteryear that uh, people have forgotten about just to keep their their name at the forefront of White Sox Nation. You know, that's not a bad bit. Um, I can join you in that and just bring up Diane Vicieto on almost every single show, uh, given uh, given the chance to. Uh, but, you know, without this no-hitter today, without the way that the White Sox have played over the, the past stretch here, you know, I can see myself in a situation where today – if the Sox were continuing to struggle, we would be talking about stuff like Daniel Polka going deep for the Lions and just other crazy White Sox shit that's going on. But there is so much about this team, Steve, that I've really, really enjoyed and I'm really impressed with over the winning streak. Now you see a no-hitter. It just seems like everything is going right for the 2020 White Sox right now in a year where everything feels so wrong. And that in and of itself just makes me personally as a Sox fan and as a human being pretty damn happy. And I am, I am probably the happiest I have been all year getting to watch that tonight and getting to watch this team beat people by going yard, absolute domination from, from pitchers like we saw tonight. Uh, the bullpen's been good. Like, there's not a lot of things to complain about right now, Steve. I mean, like, can you can you think of something to complain about? I'm sure we can find something. Like, let's let's get the complaints out of the way, and then we can talk about the dominance that was Lucas Giolito. You know, maybe my my only complaints to this point. I mean, obviously, struggles of Edwin Encarnacion, and you know, yeah, he had a double in there tonight, but um, you know, he's been scuffling, obviously, and I don't know, maybe maybe Yohan's at bats over the last 10 days or so. But even that, I mean, look, it's very obvious that the guy doesn't have his lower half, you know, right, right now, especially when he's swinging and, you know, if they could just keep him out of the fucking bars, you know, late, late at night and everything. I mean, maybe that would help him too a little bit, but um, I, other than that, I mean, you're right. I mean, we, we really don't have a whole lot else to, to really feel that upset about right now. And it's kind of strange. It is strange, and, and it's so strange that we have nothing to complain about right now because the White Sox brought back Yomer Sanchez today. Okay, so here, I'm gonna, I'm <laughs> listen, I saw a lot of hand-wringing, proverbially speaking, on, on the Twitter machine after that move got announced. Here's, here's the thing. He's not on the 40-man roster. He's literally there. Only in the case of an emergency, if something happens where if Yohan or Timmy or or Mendick has to go on the DL and then your options become Yomer Sanchez or Ryan Goins, I know I would feel a lot more comfortable with with Yomer Sanchez there, despite the fact, look, I know he can't hit. Okay, I know you can knock the bat out of his hand, but he's a competent, above average major league infielder. I would prefer to have that over Ryan Goins personally. So it's fine. You know, just hopefully he never has to leave his apartment or condo that he has up in Schaumburg now. And he's just there, you know, pouring Gatorade on himself. There you go. Yo, I could see Yolmer doing something like that. Just pouring Gatorade on himself every day, waiting in the winds for whatever may happen. And you are 100% correct in that. I'm taking Yomer Sanchez and some competent defense over a guy like Ryan Goins, hands down. I feel like we've beat around the bush enough. Let's get to this game. White Sox winner, 4-0 over the Pittsburgh Pirates. 
The Pirates have an abysmal lineup. Johnny Nani called it in his pick-to-click, which you typically don't take a pitcher. And I don't know if that yeah. even breaks Sox or just pick-to-click White Sox rules. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to have to file this one under protest because, you know, I, I mean, that's just – we're, we're going to need to reach out to Hawk on this to get a final verdict on this as, as the guy who instituted the pick-to-click system here. Yes. You know, I'm, I'm filing this game under protest. Well, and, you know, what's funny is when we were talking about who our picks-to-click were for this game, every single time the White Sox have taken a skid, at least one of us or a couple of us have taken a pick-to-click that's somewhat ridiculous – and that's why I went with Yolmer Sanchez today. And I'm not trying to say that I propelled this either, but I don't even think that that's within the rules either. So I'm going to give Johnny a little bit of leeway on this one. I think technically I have to win because McCann was the one putting the fingers down tonight. I'm going to have to somewhat agree with you right there. I mean, at least I get a half, you know, I, mean, I, I need to get some sort if of. If this was hockey, you would get the primary assist. Exactly. You would get the primary assist. All right. For nothing. Win over the Pirates. We missed a large portion of this game due to a power surge. The more you know. In which the White Sox in the second inning scored three runs. We don't even know if that happened. And it wouldn't have even mattered. Because they got another run in the third. And that's all they needed tonight. That's all they needed because Lucas Giolito pitched his oh my god he he pitched his best game ever and Steve I have to eat some words and I know Jordan Lazowski is going to tune into this because he is he's probably in my mentions already I I started this game I, I got back from the driving range went hit a few balls came back fired up the tv in the garage and it was just you know another normal night and I decided to start raking some rocks out because I'm going to put some mulch down in my front yard. And my wife is like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just doing some yard work while it's still light out. It's garbage day tomorrow. I'm going to get rid of these rocks. So I'm just out there kind of half tuned into the game. And then I'm like, I'm not really missing anything because in the second inning, you couldn't even see shit. I get back in around the fourth inning and kind of realize, like, hey, I haven't tweeted anything. I haven't been active on the Twitter like I normally am during the game. I'm just kind of relaxing. And I, I'm a superstitious guy, Steve. I don't know about you. I'm very superstitious. So I'm like, I all right, I haven't sat down for any of this. I've been up. I've been active. I've been doing stuff around the garage and, you know, just picking stuff up, doing little odd jobs. I'm like, I'm, I got to keep doing this. I can't go to my phone. I can't tweet anything because I haven't and I realized this while he's pitching in, in 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 the fourth inning and I continued that and and I'm sure everybody else who's out there who's a White Sox fan or just a baseball fan in general and I'll ask you about your superstitions in a second but I just kind of continued to do that throughout the rest of the ball game because I'm like I was to the point where I'd taken my hat off because it's 90 fucking degrees out and I couldn't put my hat back on the rest of the game. I'm that superstitious, Steve. And it, and it worked. It worked. And I'm sure that there's other people out there who are, are using the, the word no-hitter during this consistently. And I'm, I'm looking at Twitter every now and then, but I'm not, I'm not being active on it. And maybe I just need to stay off Twitter during Sox games. That might be the, the moral of the story here. But did you have any of that going on in your house or wherever you took the game in? Was there some superstition going on? Okay, Tone. So I'm going to get a little long-winded here. So you talk about yourself being superstitious. You know, as a scrub, junk-balling lefty pitcher, I took superstition to a whole new level when I was a player, and it has not stopped um, here at this point, you know, obviously now as I'm in my mid-30s. Like, I'll give you a perfect example. My junior year of high school, we're playing the game against a team that's ranked eighth in the state, and I'm making a start – you know, against them in the bullpen warming up before the game. And I just got absolutely nothing. I mean, I have no idea where the ball is going. And at one point I, I take my hat off, you know, cause it's, it's a hot day and I'm sweating bullets and I drop my hat and my hat just gets like completely covered in, in the dirt that was in the bullpen mound. And then I go out there and I strike out like 13 over the course of six innings, 
and we end up we end up beating this team on their home field. So then from that point forward, like that whole rest of the season, I would rub my hat in the dirt before any time I would pitch. So then you fast forward to to then tonight. So about the sixth inning, you know, I realize, okay, you know, this is, you know, he's he's got it right now. And my girlfriend, you know, she's she's watching the game next to me and everything. And they show Giolito in the dugout by himself. And, and she said something about, I go, we're not saying his name right now. We're not talking about him. He's, he's there. We acknowledge his existence. That's the end of it. We're not talking about this. And she couldn't quite figure out why. And at one point she'd gotten a text from her mom, you know, and, and she looked like she was getting ready to start to say he's throwing a note. And I stopped her. I'm like, we're not saying it. We're not talking about this. And, um, you know, so that obviously then continued on throughout the course of the game. And, um, you know, I pretty much I stayed in my exact same spot for the remaining, you know, three, four innings of the, of the game here. Didn't didn't move or anything. And uh, so, yeah, I think I I may have a couple of superstitions. in there. I think superstition is cool and tough. And it's only crazy if it doesn't work. Right? Exactly. It's only crazy if it doesn't work. I mean, I I think all sports fans kind of have that. If if things are going your way, you continue to do what you're doing. If if things start to break in a different in a different way, you may change something. Like I, I I've had this long standing tradition, Steve, where, I, and and this this might be a little long winded too, but I love talking about superstition when it when it comes to things like this in 2004 for some odd reason i decided on the day before opening day to buy a boston red sox hat (laughs) and my dad was like why are you doing this and i was like i think they're gonna win the world series this year they're gonna break their drought i'm gonna buy a red sox hat and i'll wear it and I, for some reason, just tuned into tuned into a lot of Red Sox games, and lo and behold, the Red Sox won the World Series that year. So it was your fault, basically, is what you're saying. It was my fault. But you know what I did the day before opening day in 2005, Steve? You bought a White Sox hat. I bought hat. a White Sox hat. And now, to this day, every year, and the, the, the streak is long broken, but it did work once. The streak is long broken, but now every year, on the day before opening day, I buy a White Sox hat, and I wear it during that season. And then at the end of the year, I'll wear that through the off season. and on the day before opening day, I buy a White Sox hat. And I hope, I hope within the next coming years, that streak starts again. So I do something, you know, kind of, kind of similar to that also in the sense that, um, you know, during the tailgate for, for opening day every year, you know, I'll go and I'll buy, you know, a case of beer, you know, the morning of usually at like seven thirty, eight o'clock, you know, cause you know, got to get ready to get out there bright and early, you know? And what I will actually do is I will leave cause I usually get a, a case of Coors Light. I'll leave that, that cardboard box from the from the beer in my trunk until opening day of the following season that is awesome that is absolutely awesome i love this stuff i love this stuff and if at the end of this i i ask the listeners if, if you have a superstition that you've been doing some sort of tradition whether it be during a no-hitter just the, the the season in general, what are your superstitions? I'll open it up there. I'll tweet something out. Feel free to reply with whatever your superstition is because I love this discussion. Let's get a little bit more into the nitty-gritty of the game. Lucas Giolito, just going to read this stat line. Nine innings pitched, no hits, no runs, one walk, 13 strikeouts. That ERA now sits at 309 One batter away from being perfect tonight, Steve. One batter away from being perfect. This was absolute domination. And there were a couple of plays that I want to get to in this in this no-hitter that, that really could have changed things. And the first one is Jose Abreu with the swipe tag getting pulled off the base. In real time, I thought he was safe. I thought this thing was over. 
What, you, what was going through your mind during that during that play? Yeah, you know, watching that happen, I I did not think he got him at first. Um, so I'm, you know, right away when that's happened, I'm thinking to myself, ah, shit, you know, you you give up a, a little dink hit on on something like that. Um, but then obviously, you know, you see the replay that that he ultimately did get him. So you know, crisis was averted on that one. The crisis was was nearly averted on that one. The second play is Tim Anderson in the shift. Just absolutely phenomenal play from Tim Anderson there. And Abreu with the scoop again. I think Lucas Giolito might owe Jose Abreu at least a steak dinner. And if he owes Jose Abreu a steak dinner, he owes James McCann so much more. But Steve, thoughts on that one? And were there any other moments in this where you were a little nervous? Yeah, so that that play you, you mentioned, Tony, on both ends of that, you know, the Anderson play cutting across, you know, the bag at second base there as he's playing the shift. He was basically on the second baseman side of, of the bag there. And so having to cut all the way across, making that throw across his body, Abreu with a phenomenal pick on the back end of that. And again, I, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse at this point here in, in these postgame shows. I continue to be amazed at how much improvement Jose Abreu has made defensively this season. And it really paid dividends here tonight on that play in particular. And I know I've I've been very critical of Jose Abreu in a number of circumstances, and he's making me eat my crow. And I tell you, it tastes delicious. You know, you just throw a little hot sauce on there, and it, and it, it tastes great. Let me tell you, I'll, I'll eat some more of that. I'm cool with it. Um, but his defensive improvement, I mean, this has really been so enjoyable to watch, and it's really – so important for this team because that was one of the concerns I think a number of people had coming into the season was, you know, with a left side of the infield having Yohan and and Timmy and the fact that they can get a little erratic with their throws, you know, the importance of having a first baseman that has good soft hands around the bag that can that can pick and scoop out those throws is extremely important. And Abreu has improved markedly here this season. He really, really has. And I, I, I have to say it, you and I took in a game in the garage the other day, a couple weeks back, and that was in the, in, the, in the heat of the what is Jose Abreu doing in the middle of the lineup, uh, I guess, uh, the hype that White Sox Twitter had for just wondering what Jose Abreu was doing here. And since that day... He has turned it around. And so, I have to say it. Is Edwin Encarnacion about to go on the biggest tear of his career over the next few weeks with how much heat you've been giving him? Listen, that would be um, a very welcomed sight if, if he were to do that. I have some significant concerns about his ability to do that at this point. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, if if he gets hot... I will definitely take the credit for it. Make no mistake about that. But if he does it and if he ends up getting DFA, you know, like by this weekend, I want none of the blame for this. And then if I could just circle back to Jose Abreu there for a second, um, I just want to make sure that one of our, you know, avid listeners, you know, White Sox Sal, you know, Listen, he, he's a big proponent of the NWO gifts, just like I am. Sal, I've never once advocated for Jose Abreu to be hitting sixth or seventh in the order. I simply didn't want him at third, so I just want to make sure that you're aware of that. You have to clarify. You have to clarify. You know Sal's going to be tuning into this one. Shout out, Sal. Loyal listener. Uh, one of my favorite Twitter follows as well uh, over there down in uh, – the great state of Texas with our guy, Summer of George. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're probably like nowhere near each other, but they're both in Texas. So shout out to both of those guys. Um, Steve, th- thoughts, just thoughts on where Lucas Giolito goes from here. Yeah. So, well, in the immediate future here, obviously he's uh, going to be going to the mound. His next start against the Minnesota twins in a battle for first place. So, I am fucking jacked up for that series starting next Monday. I can't wait. 
You know, Geo is scheduled to take them on in the opener, so that's going to be a huge, huge series there. You know, get all your Minnesota Twins hatred ready for next week, baby, because it's it's going to be on. You know, so I'm just looking for Geo to follow this up, um, continue to go out there, work ahead of counts, because this this was the big thing today. You look at it. He threw, I think, like 75 out of his 101 pitches for strikes tonight. So he was just relentless within the strike zone. There were a couple of calls in there that C.B. Buckner maybe missed in favor of, of Lucas. I'm, I'm not going to say definitively that they were bad calls, but they may not have been strikes. We're, we're going to have to let the jury review that. Um but, you know, just keep pounding the strike zone, man. I mean, look, he's showing that last year was not a fluke. Um, this is a guy that is a top of rotation arm, and he's getting better. You know, um, he had, you know, that early season struggle there in that game against Minnesota. And, you know, obviously he had the letdown two weeks ago against the Cardinals. But aside from those two outings there, he has been nailed this season. And that's what you want between him and Diamond Dallas Keuchel at the top of your rotation right there, you feel really, really good about that. And Gio is just solidifying his position as, you know, the ace of this staff. How much stake, and this is going to be the question that a lot of people are going to be asking, and I'm even asking it of myself because I I talked about it in the preseason episodes. I've talked about it a little bit more during some of his starts with Yasmani Grandal behind the plate, and I know exactly, you know exactly where I'm going with this. How much of Lucas Giolito's success rides on him pitching to James McCann? And I know the easy answer here is to say Lucas Giolito should be able to pitch to any catcher and be successful. However, we've seen the turnaround in his game pitching to James McCann. We've seen tonight James McCann call the no-hitter. You saw Lucas Giolito get off to that sluggish start pitching to Grandal. He just seems so comfortable on the mound with McCann behind the plate. And we talk about superstition. We just got through this whole conversation about sports superstition. And you have to believe, and and, and Lucas might not come out and say, yeah, I'm superstitious. I have to pitch to to McCann. And Some people are going to go out there and call that fucking weak. That if you can only be successful with one catcher. And even Ricky has said statements about, you know, we, we don't want to get into the personal catcher, um, you know, we don't want to get to the point where we've got guys having personal catchers, we should be able to pitch everybody. That's all fine and dandy. But how much of Lucas Giolito's success, Steve, do you put on James McCann and the, and the level of comfort that he has with McCann behind the plate? Because there is somewhat of a noticeable difference here. Yeah. So, you know, I kind of go back and forth on this. Um, you know, I, I've had this discussion with, with a number of different people and, you know, having been someone that was a pitcher myself, um, you know, I was, I was, I guess, accustomed to throwing to different catchers and my mentality was always, you know, I'm the one that's got the ball in my hand. I'm going to make the decisions on what pitches are thrown. You know, ultimately, it's my ass on the line here, not yours behind the plate. So I'm calling my game. Um, not every pitcher has that mentality, and and I think that's okay. And, you know, Lucas, obviously, there's, there's a tremendous trust factor mm-hmm. with James McCann. And, you know, to your point, I think the idea of having a, a personal catcher um, particularly at this point in the season and especially in a, in a shortened season is problematic. And I think it's also problematic for the Sox just from the way that their roster is constructed. Um, I think sitting Yasmani Grandal, who's really their best on base threat, um, you know, with any kind of regularity, just because it's a, a Giolito start, that's just not some, that's just not going to work. So, you know, there's going to have to be a lot of different lineup machinations um, that Ricky's going to have to figure out how to cycle guys in. Because, look, we, we know he's come out and said, you know, Jose Abreu is not allowed to have a day off because Ricky can't call Abreu's mom down in Cuba to explain to him why he's not in the lineup. So that's, you know, 
kind of tie in your hands a little bit with with some of the things that you can do here and some of the flexibility. Um, but again, this is where something where we talk about if Edwin Encarnacion continues to struggle and if he does stay on this roster for an extended period of time here, then if there are circumstances where, you know, if you got a big division game against the Twins or against the Indians, maybe what you do then in those circumstances is you allow McCann to catch Giolito and you get Grandal at DH. That's very fair. I, I'm somewhat in a line with you on this thinking, and, and I believe the statement I had about this earlier on in the year is you you want your ace of your staff able to be comfortable pitching to the biggest free agent signing that you've had in God knows how long, a guy that's going to be around here for a while versus a guy that's on an expiring contract. We don't know if McCann's going to be here next year. And if Lucas Giolito falls apart next year because James McCann isn't part of this squad, that's not a good look for Lucas Giolito. Do the Sox no. have money to bring back James McCann? Steve, I think we both know the answer to this question. They absolutely do. They absolutely have the money to bring James McCann back. There's a tons of questions about Zach Collins, in my opinion, because he's obviously not catching very regularly, so they don't feel comfortable putting him behind the plate. Maybe the part of that is the fact that they've got an all-star catcher as their backup, and they've got one of the best catchers in the ball game as their primary starter. So there's really not room for a guy like Collins and the expanded roster allows Collins to be here. However, when you do look at this, in my opinion, and I tweeted this out the other night, I forget who I was having a conversation with. I would love to see the White Sox re-sign James McCann. If you're not going to go out and spend a ton of money on whoever it is, the, 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 the big free agent this off season, Sign McCann for two or three years at or slightly above wherever he'd get somewhere else and keep your position of strength. That's that's at least how I feel. Because you're not going to break the bank re-signing James McCann. You're absolutely not going to break the bank. So if you want to do a, I guess, what's, what I would call a White Sox move, re-sign James McCann. Keep Lucas Giolito comfortable. If Grandal goes down, you've got a guy that can step in and be an everyday catcher. I think McCann likes playing here. I think he loves catching Lucas Giolito, and, and you've even seen him kind of be the personal guy for Dallas Keuchel at times. I don't think that breaks your bank. However, at the same time, you have a guy in Zach Collins right now that I think the White Sox are still higher on as an organization than most fans are. So there's going to be a decision made at some point in time, whether or not the White Sox are going to bring McCann back. However, I don't think it's that far out of the realm of possibility that they do. Any thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've got a number of thoughts on this. And I think the one area that people simply aren't considering in this circumstance is what James McCann wants. And I know, I know you say, you know, give him a little more money than he would get elsewhere. I don't necessarily know that it's about the money. I mean, he could literally be a starting catch for 20 different teams right now, the way he's played the last year and a half. So to me, it's not just about that money piece of it. When he could go to Colorado or to Houston and catch five or six days a week, whereas here it'll only be once or twice. And I just think a lot of people are not taking into account what James McCann wants in this situation here. And I just don't see a scenario where he is going to say to himself, you know, hey, I'm coming off of two really strong years offensively. You know, my my defense has improved markedly to the point where I can, again, assume a position as a starting catcher and various teams around the league will definitely have an interest why do I want to go back to a scenario where I'm only playing once or twice a week? I just personally don't see it. He's playing himself into a starting contract. And, you know, it stinks that they're going to lose that depth. I mean, that that's a great thing to have when you have two quality major league catchers. But 
I think at the end of the day, James McCann is going to want to play every day. And he just, they're not going to, he's not going to be afforded that opportunity here. And I'm just waiting right now. I, cause I know what's going to happen. One of the popular things that everyone's going to do this winter is they're going to say, Trade Yasmani Grandal and re-sign James McCann. I'm just waiting for it. No, that that is the absolute wrong direction to take here, Steve. I'm 100% with you on that. Now I can already see, I can already see the tweets. I can I can see them. I can imagine my reaction. I know what it's going to be. That doesn't make sense in my mind. And I got to shake my head on this one. That would be a dumb move. That would be a really dumb move. But, you know, we, we talk about positions of strength, and the White Sox do have it this year. Let's hope they can capitalize on that. Let's hope they can they can do something with this. I don't think this roster is where it needs to be to be a World Series contender, but there is something special about this team. I don't think anybody's going to deny that. But, you know, it's gonna, it, it's going to hurt losing that depth because I don't know about you. I'm not comfortable with Collins being that number two guy. I'm, I am I don't know what happened to the Sebi Zavala train, but I think it derailed somewhere. I'll uh, tell you what happened. I'll tell you what happened to the Sebi Zavala train. Um, it included like a uh, 690 OPS in, in Charlotte when they were playing with a bouncy ball. So it's, it's, it's derailed. Um, you know, <sighs> I don't want to. I don't want to spend too much time on on the catching situation. We already have kind of dug into that, and I think that this would be a great full roundtable. We could do a whole show on just the catching situation. We've talked about Lucas Giolito. We talk about where he goes from here. Tonight was special, very special for all White Sox fans. In the last decade, two decades, we've seen a lot of these, I, I think, for a fan base. But we haven't had enough playoff appearances to go with them. And that's where I want to go with this, Steve. How are you feeling about the White Sox playoff chances and even chances at the division? And we'll get into tomorrow's ball game because I know this is supposed to be a postgame show. There's going to be an alternate show. Johnny and Buzz are recording another version of the Sox on Tap postgame show as well. So I don't want to get too into the nitty-gritty with this. But, man, how are you feeling right now about where we sit overall? Yeah, so they're making me a believer. And, you know, you have this stretch where you win 8 of 9. Granted, you know, it's... Detroit, you know, it's um, Pittsburgh, you know, you get you get the couple games against the Cubs right there, um, you know, but they're playing better fundamental baseball. And the offense is, you know, we, we've seen it and we talked about this. Um, once Tim Anderson came back, it's like this was a completely different team. And you know, they still the, – the crazy thing is they're still not fully clicking on all cylinders because, as I talked about earlier, Yoan for the last, you know, 10 days or so has looked just absolutely miserable out there on the field. It's obvious that he, he doesn't feel well physically, um, and his offensive numbers are, are showing that. You know, and right now, you know, you have Jose Abreu hitting everything in sight. Timmy is staying consistent. Um, Aloy and, and Lou Bob are hammering the baseball. Um, Grandal looks like he's starting to get going here a little bit and, you know, might be getting magical back by, by this weekend here. And so they're getting closer to this thing really, you know, functioning on all cylinders. And the bullpen has been nails all season. The starting pitching, you know, since that first, you know, four or five games of the year has been one of the top rotations in the league from a statistical standpoint. So really where I'm going with all this is, you know, with Cleveland beating Minnesota tonight, the Sox are a game and a half out of first place. They're tied for second with the Indians. Listen, here's what it comes down to. You got to put the pedal to the damn metal and you got to go win a goddamn division title at this point. No more dicking around, no more hoping for a wild card. Go step on somebody's throats. They, they, 
they are going to need to make a move to get another starting pitcher. Um, I don't think it's going to be a big name guy. I think it could probably be a guy like a Kevin Gosman or, you know, maybe Dylan Bundy from the angels. Although he, you know, the way he's pitching, they might be a little priced out on that. Or maybe someone like Johnny Cueto in, in San Francisco, go get another starting pitcher, fix this black hole in right field and give it a go, man. You know, don't don't do anything crazy as far as you know giving up, pro, you know super high end. Don't prospect. give up Andrew Vaughn, right? Be, because because look, the fact of the matter is, we still don't know that this season is going to get finished. Okay, something could still go wrong, and we may not get through this season. So I think there's a heightened level of risk um, with making a major trade here this season. But again. Do whatever it is you can to improve these areas of this team. Go win the damn division. That's it. No more messing around. Um, a wild card shouldn't be good enough anymore because we've seen this team. They're they're in this thing. They're a game out in the loss column. Just it, it's it's time to go. It, you know, and they're still in the middle of this stretch against a lot of these little weak sisters that they have on the schedule. You know, you, you got this game with Pittsburgh tomorrow afternoon then you got kansas city coming in here over the weekend and um you, it's it's time to eat still and so you know you could very easily be um you know after labor day you know you could be up two or three games in first place and you know the the final two weeks of the schedule are a little more challenging but if you build yourself a cushion if you put yourself in a position to win a title go out and get it and then who the hell knows you get in Maybe you pull an O2 Angels and you just bash your way to to a championship with a lights out lockdown bullpen and and a starting rotation that is good enough. It's happened before, it could happen again. So you're raising the bar right now. Yeah. Yeah. Go win the damn division. You're raising nope. you're raising the bar right now. And I can go back in my phone right now and I can find a message from you just a couple of weeks ago that said I know what the White Sox game is. They don't care about this season. I'm going to take less interest and be less interested in the outcomes of this of this team. Is this a shift in focus from NWI Steve right now? I'm, I'm, I'm digging deep. Yeah, yeah, it is. Because look, they, they've shown here over the last, you know, seven to ten days here that when they have this full complement of, of their roster – or closer to it that they can play with anybody in the AL central. And I said this coming into the season that I didn't pick them to win the division, but it wouldn't surprise me because they have so much upside within their roster. And we're seeing this happen here. I mean, Luis Robert has far exceeded what my expectations were to this point. Lucas Giolito has in fact been even better than he was a year ago, Dallas Keuchel has just been nailed since since they bring him on this bullpen. They just keep they 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 keep bringing guys up and they just keep getting everybody out. And I mean, you're you're right. Look, you know, two three weeks ago, I was in a very very foul mood about the way that this team was playing. I think we all and, were. Yeah, and you know, you looked at some of the lineups that uh, that Ricky was was putting out there, and and it was very hard to look at that and say this team is doing everything that they can to win a baseball game. And I know there's a lot of Ricky defenders that are out there that will say, Oh, it's just, you know, him, you know, using whatever uh, resources, you know, his boss gives him. But, um, you know, last time I checked the guy that's Ricky's boss, you know, kind of is hamstrung by his boss, but you know, a lot of the people that defend Ricky seem to neglect that point, but that's a whole nother show in itself. Um, (laughs) But, but, you know, anyway here, I mean, we're seeing what this team is capable of. And, you know, defensively, this team has far exceeded my expectations for it, even with the train wreck that is Aloy Jimenez in, in left field. Um, they're just, they're, they're a good, fundamentally solid baseball team right now. And it is so refreshing to watch because we have sat through so much crap for the last eight years. And, and to finally be in a position now where, we have a good baseball team to watch on a nightly basis. Um, it, it makes things so much more enjoyable. 
It absolutely does. And like we talked about just a little bit ago, this might be the best stretch of White Sox baseball that people have seen in around a decade. And that's, in and of itself, something special. So enjoy the ride right now. Enjoy the ride. There's going to be another hiccup at some point this year, Steve. You know it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. There's going to be a 2-3 game uh losing streak might be more than that and you can damn well bet all the money in the world that we're going to overreact about it here on this show we are going to overreact about it i I know you will i will i think buzz will and negative nani is going to overreact about it as well but this past week i think has shifted the mentality of of you it's shifted my mentality on this shifted a lot of mentalities on what this team can actually accomplish. And I think we have to appreciate the fact that we're talking about this in 2020, which was originally, this was, this was supposed to be the target year that the rebuild kind of came together. And the White Sox being the White Sox have, have tried to even move the goalposts and the players are outperforming the goalposts at this point in time. And I think that that's pretty damn fucking special. And I think that's pretty damn cool and tough. You nailed it. I, I, there's nothing I can say to, um, to add to that. So we'll leave it at that one. Lucas Giolito threw a new, no hitter tonight. I, I had goosebumps pretty much through the seventh, eighth and ninth inning may have shed a tear at some point. Called my son down to watch the ninth inning. Woke him up. He's got school tomorrow. Woke my son up to go witness some history. It was a great night to watch White Sox baseball for everybody. Tony, Tony, those are called life lessons, okay? That's more valuable than anything he's going to learn in school tomorrow. Let's just be real about this. Exactly. Exactly. Man, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it again. The White Sox have another game tomorrow, Steve, and we got to get to it. We got to preview it. Um, and I'm sure it was previewed on the show that Johnny and Buzz did. This is uh, No Hitters uh, Session 2 of Socks on Tap that we've got going on right here. There's a Session 1 that's probably being uploaded right about right now. Um, so there's 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 going to be so much Socks on Tap to listen to tomorrow, and that's going to be really cool and tough. So if you're tuning into this one after you listen to the first show, uh, thank you very much for sticking with us. I'm, I, I'm assuming that one went pretty long, too. There's a lot of stuff to break down. But let's get to tomorrow's game. Trevor Williams is going to be taking the mound for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He is 1-4 with a 3.70 ERA. He struck out 23. And we've got your guy, Steve. I, I don't know if you have a favorite pitcher, but I would just imagine it's this guy. It's Dallas Keuchel, 4-2, 2.65 ERA, 19 Ks throughout the year. Uh, he worked eight innings and threw 114 pitches against the Cubs last Friday, only allowing one run. He struck out three. He doesn't miss a lot of bats, but he gets the job done. He's got a 10-7 and interleague record with a 2.87 ERA so far this year. Um, or not this year, in his career. Sorry about that. Uh, what are your thoughts on tomorrow? And then uh, why don't you hit me with your pick-to-click? Yeah, so I'm expecting Diamond Dallas to go out there and do what he has done every time he's put on a White Sox uniform. Go out there, pound the strike zone, get ahead of guys, 0-1, 0-2, 1-2, pound that cutter in on the hands of right-handed hitters, use that changeup down and away to to offset that, to change the eye levels of, of the hitters, and then just keep painting the corners here with, with consistency. Um, I'm looking for him to go out there, have another strong outing, going to make the pirates feel the bang so to speak use a little uh you know 90s attitude wrestling reference right there from diamond dallas page and uh socks are going to hammer this one out i think they're going to put i think they're going to put a big crooked number on the board tomorrow at some point my my sixth or maybe even my seventh sense is telling me it's going to be sometime around the third or fourth inning we're going to see a big crooked number go on that board and uh, I think the Sox are going to win this one 7-2. to two. I love it. Pick to click. Pick to click tomorrow. 
All right. I'm going to say, um, you know, T.A. hasn't hit a leadoff dinger in a while, so I think he's due. So T.A. is going to be my guy for tomorrow. Stole mine, Tim Anderson, uh, 400 against Mr. Williams in his career, and he has taken him deep before. So T.A., I love that pick. I also think this is going to be a White Sox winner tomorrow. We've started the win streak on the highest of notes. Again, if you haven't heard Lucas Giolito throw a no-hitter against the Pirates tonight, I'm just going to keep saying that because the word no-hitter is cool and tough. Um, And I didn't get to say it a lot during the game because I'm superstitious like we talked about before. Tim Anderson, I I really like that pick, but I'm going to go with Mr. Abreu. He went to the warning track today, and I think he's going to be able to put one out of the ballpark tomorrow and just continue this absolute tear that Jose Abreu is on. So I'm going to take Jose Abreu. I really like that score that you throw out there, but I think we might be able to see another White Sox 10-run ball game. It's going to be nice and hot. It's going to be a great day for balls to fly out of the ballpark. What, is, what does Tony Twista have to say about that? I don't know. I don't have no idea where that guy is right now. No idea where he is. Johnny skipped him the other day. Then he came back. He he had his stuff to say, and he just he he ran out. But he did give a he did give a forecast for today and said it felt like a sauna back in New Jersey. And I think Tony's a little worried about his family in Jersey because if you didn't see, there were some storms that rolled through there, and uh, I'm sure they were they were uh, getting a hold of Tony for for what that was going to bring to the New Jersey area. There were some severe thunderstorms out in the uh, on the East Coast today, so I think he's dealing with. Uh, with some stuff right now, uh, so to speak. You know, he's got a lot of family back in Jersey. They might not be blood-related, but they might as well be. Um, Steve, how long is this next win streak going to go? Um, I'm going to say we're going to get to at least Saturday with it. That's that's, that's my prediction here. Uh, I, I came in to this week saying they were going to have a four and one homestand. So, you know, call maybe I'm taking a page out of negative nineties book. I think there's going to be one loss sprinkled in there, but I, I think they're going to get to at least Saturday on a, on a three game winning streak here. And, you know, Hey, listen, I'll be, I'll be more than delighted to be wrong on this one again, to see him have go five and zero this week, sweep the week heading into Minnesota for that big showdown. And just, you know, get ready for for that one next week, man. So, hey, if we want to go into that thing riding high on five in a row, let's do it, baby. I love it. I, I'll I'll take that bet five and zero, oh, and I'll just ride it because I'm feeling great tonight, Steve. It was a pleasure to break down and talk about a no hitter on this show with you. Um, thanks to all the listeners for tuning into this. Thank you if you tuned into the uh, the Johnny and Buzz version of this show as well. Uh, we don't normally do two post games, but I think tonight warranted it because it's it's a special night to be a White Sox fan. It's a special night for a guy named Lucas Giolito. It's just a great night all around. I'm going to go continue to crack beers and enjoy the rest of this night. Steve, I hope you're doing the same. Um, until next time, White Sox forever. White Sox for life.